So just a little pop quiz trivia. Um, John says, what's the first thing John says about Jesus when he sees him? Behold what? Behold the Lamb of God, what? Who takes away the sins of the world. Which is why we kept that in the Mass. That's why we say that in the Mass. Behold, before the, you receive Holy Communion, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold Him. There's a lot here we could say. We're, we're moving from Christmas into what we call in theology ordinary time. And there's a theological reason why it's called ordinary, but I like the reason just because it's ordinary. Like, it's not Christmas anymore. It's not Easter. It's not Advent. It's not Lent. It's just ordinary. There's no candy. You probably already broke your Christmas present, one of them at least. It's already, you know. So you've made, moved on past Christmas, and there's this new stage of like several weeks. Actually, it's 34 weeks, but we interrupt them with Lent and Easter and Pentecost or whatever. But um, and we'll move. This is the year cycle um, A of the lectionary, which means after today, we'll move into, we'll move into Matthew's gospel of the public life of Jesus. What happened to Jesus after his baptism? Um, but we finished, this is like the, the transition, you, you finished with Christmas, you had the Epiphany, which we said was the Epiphanies, the three kings coming, that's the first Epiphany, and then this is the baptism, and actually today we also kind of, the priests contemplate as well, the wedding at Cana. But three Epiphanies, so the, the idea of the baptism of the Lord. I want to focus on Jesus' baptism, and then what happened at your baptism, and my baptism, and why does it matter? And first and foremost, like, just to be clear, as Christians, as Catholics, baptism is not some little empty ritual that you're supposed to do because it's a rule, therefore you pour water on the baby's head and check, you did it. You know, you can actually say you walked through that ritual of initiation and you poured water on your head and that was it. No, something happened at baptism. At Jesus' baptism, but more so at our baptism. There was a real change. There was a real impact, a real effect. We talk about the sacraments as efficacious Signs. They're not just signs, they are living signs. Something happens in that moment of our baptism. In the baptism of Jesus, in the Gospels, there's three accounts of it, and John kind of touches on it, reference, references it. Heaven was torn open, it seems, an opening between heaven and earth. The voice of the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I delight. And the very Spirit of God came down upon him. At your baptism, the same thing happened, though you didn't see it, you didn't hear it. But we believe it because our Lord has shown us that. The church, Jesus sent the church to go and baptize. So the church, in Jesus' own name and authority, poured water upon you. And if you couldn't picture, try to picture the heavens open in God's own declaration. Behold my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I delight. There is a real fusing of your life to the life of God, the life of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read one quick number from the Catechism because, of course, all of us are listening to the Catechism in a year by Father Mike Schmitz. I hope. Don't miss it. This is your Catechism, by the way, because you didn't know. This is a Catechism. They're really good. There's a lot of information there to help us understand how do you live out the way of Jesus Christ. But I just want to read one quick number, number 1092, about the Holy Spirit and what He does, and what He does in the church when we come here on Sundays, and what He did at your baptism. The Holy Spirit is the dispenser of the Christian mystery. The Holy Spirit prepares you and I, the church, to encounter the Lord, and he recalls Christ, and he makes present Christ, makes Christ manifest to the faith of the assembly when Jesus says, do this in memory of me. It's not that we're external spectators remembering something that doesn't really happen. 
the Holy Spirit makes present and recall, as he recalls Christ. By the Spirit's transforming power, he makes the mystery of Jesus Christ, his whole life, and the gifts that he gave us in his life, present here and now. Which is why there's a difference when you come to church on Sundays and receive Holy Communion versus when you encounter God in, in the creation that you see when you're fishing. There are two different moments of encounter with God. And this one's very different. Here and in your baptism through the sacraments, the Holy Spirit makes the mystery of Christ present here and now. The spirit of communion, big word, communion. We commune with Jesus Christ. The spirit of communion unites you and me, the church, to the life of Christ and the mission of Christ. Everything Jesus did from the morning, the day of his birth, his incarnation, his birth, his miracles, his healing, his crucifixion, death, and his resurrection, and his sending of the apostles in the Holy Spirit is now applied through baptism and united to you and to me. That's why, we, like we said at Christmas, you very much can compare it to a marriage. The two are no longer two, but one. And baptism was the moment when that began in your life and in my life. That's why St. Paul, the same thing happens as the Holy Spirit came down at your baptism and mine. That's why St. Paul says, call to be, I call to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to you who have been sanctified. Raise your hand if you think you're holy. Don't raise your hand, but you should raise your hand. Because you were made holy at your baptism. The holiness of God was poured out upon you. The very life of God, which you could say is the all-holy, was poured into your heart, your mind, your soul. Sanctified in Christ. Called to be holy. It's really funny, this, this whole opening line of the second reading is just the greeting. Like, all it is is a greeting. I'm like, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do with the greeting of the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians? It's a loaded greeting. Remember, Christ's grace to you and the peace of God has been given you. Renew it. That's what we do when we come together on Sundays. We renew all that was given to us at our baptism. Hopefully we nourish it and help it to grow. And so that everything said over Jesus Christ at his baptism is said over you and over me, which is why I want to read that first reading from Isaiah, because it was said in the Old Testament, didn't really apply to anybody yet, applied fully to Jesus Christ. And by extension, through your baptism and mine, it applies to us. The Lord said to me, insert your name, you are my servant, my beloved, through whom I show my glory. When someone asks you, who do you think you are? You say, I am the servant of God through whom he shows his glory on my good days. No, on all your days. Through whom I show my glory. And the, the writer continues, you and I continue. Now the Lord has spoken at my baptism. The Lord who formed me as his servant from the womb. When did God start caring about you? from the womb, from before you were born. That, so that his people might be brought back to him and gathered to him. Why are you here? That's why. 
so that God's beloved people might come to know him. And the writer continues, and you and I continue through our baptism, and I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord. If every now and then you find yourself getting bored with religion or God, this says that God never gets bored with you. Because in his sight, you are made glorious. Never boring. And now, my God is now my strength. All right, seriously, raise your hand if on occasion you find yourself kind of weak. Anybody kind of weak? You know, I don't know, gave into the argument with my spouse or my daughter or my parents or my, my friends at school. I didn't fulfill the assignment given to me. I couldn't say no to the cookie. I'd already had five of them and I had to take number six because I'm weak. But now the Lord God is my strength because mine is lacking. It is too little, the Lord said at your baptism, for you to be just some creature that I made like an artist makes a little painting of a bird or a dog. You, I shall make you a light for all nations. My daughter, my son, to be a light for all the nations so that my saving offer can reach to the very ends of the earth. Every corner of Luling, thanks to you, can come to know the saving love of God. When you look in the mirror and you see that pimple on your nose, you're like, oh, my face is so ugly. I hate my life. This is terrible. It's all nonsense. This is the truth. God spoke it over you. That's your baptism. When you messed up at school, you dropped the football on the field, you fumbled, and the team's mad at you, and your parents are mad at you because you didn't take the garbage out, and everyone's mad at you, and you just close yourself up in your room and lock the door, and you say, oh, woe is me. Why did you make me God? What a waste is my life. No, our Lord says the opposite, right? You are God's glory. And through you, God's glory is made known to the world. Through you, his love is brought to every corner of the earth. That's who you are. Sanctified, made holy. And I say that and we'll finish with just a little commentary because all of God's gifts come in a soil of your freedom. So it's a question of what do you do with that? Because you can totally ignore it if you want. You can totally believe all the lies that we sometimes tell ourselves or other people tell us or the bully at school told me, whatever. Or we can use our freedom to live accordingly, according to that truth, which is where the responsorial psalm comes in. And Jesus himself shows us. The responsorial psalm is Psalm 40, but you can picture Jesus himself in Gethsemane and throughout his life echoing that psalm. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Behold, I come to do your will. That's why we're here. Do I say that in my life? Do I reflect that in my attitudes, my words, my actions? Responding to him. That seed, that mustard seed of divine life, that blood of Christ, made manifest and present through the Holy Spirit at your baptism, poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit at your baptism, falls on a certain kind of soil. Parents, real quick, your job is why when you come to the church, you're asking the church, can I have my child baptized? The church actually has the right to say yes or no. Why? Because Jesus said the seed has to fall on good soil. 
So the church challenges families, make sure you're doing your part so that the family soil is good, can nourish the seed upon which, which, is, which is going to receive. A family of faith, a family that's trying to imitate Jesus Christ, who's alive in that family, made present in that family through the Holy Spirit, active in our decision-making. We talk to him first before we make decisions. It is going to be a good soil for the seed of grace of divine life to fall. It will not be squandered amidst thorns, shallow rocky soil, or on the footpath for any ideology or bird or crow to take it away. We ask the Lord to renew in our families that good soil. But then throughout our lives, that mustard seed needs to receive a response that nourishes it, that confirms it, reaffirms it. That's why we come to Mass not just once in your lifetime. Every Sunday is a day to renew that yes to the gifts of baptism. We don't leave them sterile without thinking about them. We don't come here by pure routine. You know, when your wife says to you, Honey, do you love me? You better think about that answer and make it count. And turn the TV off for just a minute. And when you come to Mass and our Lord says, I give everything to you, will you answer and follow me? Turn everything else off. And when you receive Holy Communion, you're saying, Amen, I do. And we renew what took place at our baptism, what takes place and is nourished and growing, the life of God in us, fused to us, like that marriage, the two becoming one, more and more every day. People sometimes ask, how come, Father, when people seem to come to us every single Sunday, I see them all the time, they're always here, but they're still kind of mean at school, they don't look any different. Well, it's, again, the soil. What kind of soil is all that grace being poured into? Is it being allowed to bear any fruit? Or is it suffocated? So we think about the soil of our hearts, we think about the response every day. Do we overexpose ourselves or our children to all the wrong stuff throughout their day in their life? The seed overexposed to the sunlight isn't going to make it. In my own response every day, my mind, the Lord wants to commune and have holy communion, my thoughts to his thoughts, my truth, my opinions to his truth. Do I do that? Do I cultivate a knowledge and an understanding of God and of his ways through Jesus Christ, through the church, through the catechism? It's there for us. Yes, it's deep, and sometimes we need some help. That's why Jesus didn't leave us on our own to figure it out. He gave us the church to walk with us. He gave us Father Mike Schmitz to walk with us, or whoever else, to walk with us, to conform our mind and not allow pride to say, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm going to be self-sufficient. No, we're called to be God-sufficient, plugged into Him. My mind, my heart, my will, my heart. What do I desire? Do I control those desires? Do I forge those desires to confirm to what was planted in my heart at baptism? Am I nourishing that mustard seed in the things I desire? Or am I exposing all my desires to all the wrong desires and letting my mind and my heart become twisted? That's what sin, that's what evil is. Evil is actually, God doesn't make evil. God entrusts so much good to you and to me, but in our freedom, we allow it to be twisted. You and I were baptized, made holy in God. God declared great things over us. You are not an evolutionary accident. 
You have purpose. You have meaning. You have a mission. And everything about Jesus Christ applies to you. If Jesus had wanted to take a vacation and go to Hawaii for three years and then ascend back to the Father without ever saving the world, we'd be missing on something, right? Big time. But it's the same for you and I who are the body of Christ through baptism. If you don't do your part, and I don't do my part, there's not someone sitting there on the sidelines. There's a hole in the painting. Maybe there's a lot of holes now in the painting. Which is why so many people look at the church with disdain instead of esteem. Because the people who were called to fill it sometimes didn't do their job. Didn't care enough to form themselves to represent the light of Jesus Christ. We ask the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts. When I was in um, Novitiate, I'll finish with this. Two years in Novitiate, the motto for two years was Christus Vita Vestra, Christ your life. If you've ever had a role model that you studied every single thing that actress or actor did, you want to be just like her, sing just like her, imitate her voice, make your voice sound like hers, or your acting style that look like his, well, replace that role model with Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what was begun at your baptism. Jesus gave you that strength and grace to live his life, to model it. Let us not betray it by falling short. We ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. We ask other role models to be there for us, our parents first, to role model for us what Jesus Christ looks like. And for us to role model to each other. Coaches to role model, not just how to throw a football, but how to be human the way we're called to be human, in the image and likeness of God, whose life is now present through the Holy Spirit and active in us. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.